introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy. Let's do it. To the right. Five seconds to go in the first half. Dante fires deep to the left. Moss caught it at the 11, but now he oh, look at this! To oh, Williams! Touchdown! You gotta be kidding me! All right, we are back. Took a little bit of time. Uh, yeah, it was a busy weekend last weekend. Obviously, we had JR's favorite time of year. We had the draft. I had a tournament. Just a lot of running around, so we couldn't get in, do it all that we wanted to, but we're back. It's the Climbing the Pocket podcast. I'm your host, Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at BrownJason. And we're just rolling here with me and the man, the myth, the legend, the hardest working man on draft Twitter, already deep into studying for next year, QB1. JR, how you doing? How you been? I'm good, man. Really happy that the draft is over. It is a tedious process, but hopefully everybody's happy with their new draftees. Yeah, it's a tedious process that you love so much that you are already back into it. But before we let you really get too far ahead of things here... We need to do a bit of a recap because, uh, you know, we really didn't get together and talk too much about it. Well, we've been talking about it, you know, since the draft happened and really talking about all the picks, you know, in the group chat. But we haven't been, able, been on to record. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to go through some of these picks here, really all of them, uh, and, and get your thoughts, your analysis on the pick, what you were thinking at the time. And just uh, run through these here so we can uh, we can get your thoughts here recorded and, and, uh, and people can listen to them. So uh, with that said, we'll jump right in here, I guess. Overall feelings, what were your thoughts on how the Vikings handled the draft from a strategy perspective, the trades, the way they moved around, the way that they, uh, yeah, I guess, handled the draft board? Because what were your thoughts on that just at a general level when you think about the Vikings draft? I thought it was a solid B overall. Everybody knew that offensive line was an emphasis that they were going to make throughout the draft. And they started out right away with Garrett Bradbury, and I think it was one of the draft's worst-kept secrets. And pretty much everybody had him pegged at 18 in their mock draft to the Vikings. And it ended up coming to fruition uh, with that 18th overall selection. I think it was a good pick. I don't necessarily think it was a need, but I think it definitely fulfilled something that they wanted to do along the interior, uh, getting that center that they thought that they needed. And it seems like Pat Elfline is going to transition to one of the guard spots, most likely left guard. So, there are five starters are set across the board, and then they went and got some depth pieces and drew Samia. Uh, Oli Udo is another depth piece that I really like. And in the second round, they ended up getting Irv Smith Jr., who I think complements Kyle Rudolph really well. And especially with Kevin Stefanski wanting to run a lot of 12 personnel, I think Irv Smith definitely could be an option that helps fulfill that need that he does like to do. Uh, and then they went and got some receivers in the late round in uh, Oli B.C. Johnson and Dylan Mitchell two guys that were basically analytics darlings, and they really fulfilled uh, some of those thresholds that they did, ha did have from a production standpoint and then how well they tested at the combine. So it was a really good mixture of need and some risk, especially late on, uh, later on in the draft. All right, well, let's get into this and uh, maybe delve into some of these picks a little bit deeper here. Garrett Bradbury, like you said, I know you liked him pre-draft. Uh Tell me a little bit about the pick. Tell me a little bit more about the player. And tell me how you think he fits with the Vikings. Yeah, I think it's a really good fit, especially in uh, Kevin Stefanski's offense and Gary Kubiak and what they want to do from a running game perspective. Uh, now, I'm still kind of wait-and-see approach as far as how well he does in pass protection just because there are some really good interior defenders 
in the NFC North that he's going to have to see twice a year. So everyone knows that he's not the most fierce competitor as far as being able to push guys around as a pass protector. And he's going to, he's going to be going against some really good guys and Akeem Hicks, uh, Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels and snack Harrison. So he's going to have some really good matchups uh, twice a year. So that's really a wait and see approach. But as far as him fitting in a run game aspect, I think is a perfect fit just because zone, a zone oriented blocking scheme is exactly what he did at NC state. And that's exactly what the Vikings want to implement. All right. And that's something that I, I did see a little bit there in terms of you know, Garrett Bradbury, great in the zone scheme, but can you help me understand, I guess, maybe with some of those deficiencies or things that you'd need to see him work on when it comes to pass pro? Because um, I, I did see that, you know, there were some other centers that were rated a little bit higher when it came to pass protection than uh, than a Garrett Bradbury. He's really light. And I know he came in at 306 at the Senior Bowl and at the Combine, I believe. But I don't think he played at that weight. I think he packed on some pounds for the entire pre-draft process. I think he probably hovered around. 295 to 300 pounds, and that is obviously very light for a center. And I think just being able to anchor down, I think that's where he really did struggle for the most part. And then you see him getting pushed around a lot, and that's why I said that's kind of a wait-and-see approach with me and pass protection, especially against some of the guys that he's going to be matched up with in the division. All right. Well, that's uh, that's Garrett Bradbury. Like you said, worst-kept secret. It really looked like, as, as the process played out, uh, that they were going to make – what I'm going to call, I guess, yeah, the safe pick, the pick that uh, would, would make people happy, getting a, a, a highly rated interior offensive lineman. But then they went ahead, you know, and maybe I wasn't as enthused with them going interior O-line with, you know, Dillard still on the board. But then they go round two, bring in a move tight end in Irv Smith. JR, talk to me. Tell me about the man. Tell me how happy should I be about this pick? Well, I think once you look at his film, I think you'll be more happier than how he measured, especially from a height, weight, and then measurable standpoint as far as how he tested at the combine. I think he's not a guy that's really going to shine or do well at the combine, and that was really my prediction for him. But if you turn on the tape and look at him as far as a route running perspective, that's really where he shines. He can move all over the place. He can play in line, and he also can be flexed out as well, which is something the Vikings really like to experiment with with their tight ends. They really like to experiment with a lot of that 12 personnel. And Kevin Stefanski did that run that a lot more, especially when John DeFilippo really exited the building. He liked to keep two tight ends on the field. And then when when David Morgan got back healthy and then using him as a compliment to Kyle Rudolph, that's really what he liked to exploit. And then you get a more dynamic option, receiving options that I should say in, um, in Irv Smith Jr. So I really like what he brings to the table. He can win in man coverage. He can settle down versus zone. He has really soft hands. And I think as far as that true move around why tight end, he is exactly that. So this isn't necessarily a draft specific thing, but it's something that came up. I guess it really started when the veterans started to come back. Kyle Rudolph came in wearing the shirt. He's got a lot of game left. And you could kind of tell by social media and things that were being posted that it seemed like the Rudolph family, we'll say, because it was Kyle and interviews and his wife on social media, seemed less than enthused about the Irv Smith pick. From your perspective, as you look at things, do you expect Kyle Rudolph to be around when the, the season kicks off? Or do you think we'd be looking at, you know, Irv Smith as that move tight end and like a, a David Morgan kind of maintaining that same role as the blocking tight end of the team? 
I think it'll be here, and I think they'll really play all three guys because all of them have different skill sets, and they bring something different to the table. How he's really handling this situation, I thought it was really weird to me because it's not like quarterback or anything like that where it's just one guy on the field all the time. You can play two to three tight ends depending on the formations and the sets that you want to run. And I just don't understand why he's feeling so pressured by this young tight end being in the building. And I know that he's entering the last year of his deal, but you're a well-respected guy in the area and in the community. And everyone knows if you're on the Vikings roster this year, you're by far the top guy and the top option. They're not trying to get rid of you or anything like that from what I've seen and what I've heard. So you're the top guy on the depth chart. You're still the lead dog in the clubhouse. And, yes, I know they brought some fresh legs in there with the second-round pick. But, I mean, what did, he, what did he expect to happen, especially with David Morgan? Entering contract here, Tyler Conklin obviously isn't a top-two option. So they needed that more dynamic number two type of true receiving threat, and that's exactly what they did. And I just don't understand. I don't like how he's handling this whole situation because it's making him seem kind of frightened about it and kind of worried as opposed to embracing it and understanding that the team can utilize more than two tight ends on the field. All right. And uh yeah, we'll move along from uh from the posi- I guess the, the the position being addressed that that made me most happy early on in this draft to the position being addressed that has kicked up I guess really the most conversation when the Vikings went and drafted Alexander Madison <laughs> in round 3. I guess first before we get to all of that because I know this is a player that you studied a little bit beforehand. What was your pre-draft evaluation of Madison? What are your thoughts on him as a player? And then we can get into, you know, the pick and what your thoughts were on all of that. I wasn't a huge fan of him. I actually had a seventh-round grade on him, and I just didn't see the burst that was there, and that was evident in his time. That's 40 time at the Combine. He just didn't – oh, he can break tackles. I will give him that. But that's kind of where his game stops. He isn't a huge creator uh, when things start to break down or if the picture isn't clear. He likes to hurdle over guys and try to create when things aren't necessarily there, but that just really isn't his strong suit. He's more of a what I like to call a bumper car type of runner. He just really likes to bounce off people, and he has really good contact balance. I will give him that, but as far as a home run hitter, he's not going to be that. He's going to get you 15 yards max on carries that are explosive plays for him. So just taking that in the third round, I didn't really understand that, and I thought he probably was a guy that they could have got potentially in the fifth round, in my opinion. Okay, and so I guess, you know, so we, we have an understanding of what your thoughts are on him as, as a player. Uh, I guess what are your thoughts on, on, I guess, the argument that, you know, he was beloved by running back coaches and he's someone who'd be able to step in and, and fill a role for the Vikings immediately. So being able to do that is something that gives him value maybe beyond what you would typically get from, from a third round. I guess what are your thoughts on, on that? Well, I believe it. And you see the inspirational videos with him in it and his backstory, which is really good, uh, just coming from where he came from and overcoming the things that he had to overcome to get to this point. And I'm sure a lot of coaches really did fall in love with him. And that's just an aspect that we really don't get a lot of access to besides the videos that they post. So it's not surprising that a lot of coaches reportedly vouched for him and wanted to take him right along the area that the Vikings did select him. But as far as an on-the-field perspective, I just didn't see I didn't see a third-round player. All right. And I didn't see a third-round position. I love it when analytics and <laughs> film come together, you know? But uh, let's keep this thing moving. No need to get sidetracked with all that. Saxy Prince isn't here to stand up for the running back, so we won't do all that right now. Uh, 
the next pick was one that uh, I feel like universally was loved because it was a player uh, that, you know, people were really touting from the very beginning of this process. People were talking about kind of as a sleeper. You know, we had our man Ryan, who, uh, well, anyone from Oklahoma, he thinks we should have on our team. But uh, Drew Samia, I know Miles loved him. You loved him. Tell me about the player. Tell me about the pick. Tell me where you think he fits in with this Vikings roster. Yeah, I had a third-round grade on him. I was a huge fan of him, and I thought for teams that were looking for a zone scheme guy in the mid-rounds, I thought he definitely should have been towards the top of some teams' boards, and it was really good to see them get him at where they did uh, in that round. So I was really happy to see that as far as where he fits on the roster. He'll probably be your sixth or seventh man off the bench, and he'll provide competition at either guard spot with Pat Uffline if they do end up moving him to left guard and also Josh Klein. And I think Klein will get the first crack at the right guard position just because they paid him as a starter. But it wouldn't be surprising at all if we're sitting at week 11 or week 12 if Klein starts to struggle. They'll see what they have in Samia, and they end up putting him out there. Tell me a little bit about more about his game. I know we talked about it beforehand in, in the one-a-day draft series, really the first one that feels like so long ago. But tell me a little bit more about his game and what it is you really love about him so much. Yeah, so he's a bit smaller for a guard. He's about 6'3", around 300 pounds. But what you love about him is that he's a really good fit in his own scheme. He didn't test overly well at the combine, but he plays much faster than what he showed at the combine. And he's really good climbing to the second level. But what I love about him the most is that he brings attitude to the offensive line. He loves finishing, and he just makes a statement every time he does finish plays, and he's going to let the entire stadium know about it. And he's going to come back for more, come back for more, and continue to come back for more. And he's just the basically the, the description that I put in his draft profile is that he wants to make life a living hell for the guy that's going against him. And that's what he showed. He has fantastic killer instinct uh, when he is within games and he is just going to play extremely hard. So that's what you love to see out of offensive lineman. He's very physical and he's a tone setter. All right. Well, next up we get into, uh, I feel it's a pick the Vikings make every single draft. We got to go in and get that, get, get ourselves a, a linebacker. Uh, tell me about Cameron Smith. Does he fit the mold of what we're typically looking for when we, we get that late round linebacker and add him into the special team rotation? <laughs> kind of. He didn't test as well, nearly as well as Eric Wilson or any of those other guys from years past. But as far as a guy that's going to come in right away, contribute on special teams, he can do that. And, He's more of your Audi Cole type of replacement. That's the guy he really reminds me of. Now, he's not nowhere as big as what Audi Cole was uh, vertically as far as a height standpoint, but as far as what he brings to the table and that he can play any three linebacker positions, I think he can do that, and he plays very hard. He's known for his motor. Uh, it really is endless, and it wouldn't be surprising if we're coming out of training camp and preseason games, and he's a player that really did shine the most just because he's going to go 110% every single time he steps onto the field. All right, well, we're going to start to speed this thing up a little bit more as we get through here because, you know, Rick Spielman decided he wanted to have every last one of the picks on uh, the last day of the draft here. So uh, everyone that can't get as much time as these dudes earlier on got because we got a lot still to get through. So Armin Watts, tell me about him. What do you love? Tell me about his chances of making the team. What does he do? Who is he? Really weird career. And he started off, he had a productive freshman year, but his sophomore and his junior years, he basically was non-existent. non-existent. And then last year, he really resurfaced, uh, known for his run defense. And he has some pass rushing productivity, but it's just been inconsistent. And that was one of the biggest reasons why he did end up falling to the sixth round. 
And like, what kind of game does he bring to the table? Like, what uh, what what type of player? If you had to comp him to somebody, I guess who what uh, whose game or who uh, does he play like, or what does his game resemble? I think it's really funny that Lance Zierlein actually compared him to Shamar Stephan uh, <laughs> <laughs> on his NFL draft profile. Oh I man, think, I think that really is spot on. And oh. he's not a guy that's overly twitchy or anything like that, but he's always going to be where he's supposed to be. And he's very fundamentally sound. Uh, hands are really good from time to time. He's very strong. Uh, that is noticeable throughout his film. So it, he doesn't have a lot of upside, I will say that. But as far as a guy that can be that second, third, or even fourth guy in your rotation, I think he can be that. All right. And then Marcus Epps, tell me about him. <laughs> so this is pretty funny. A lot of people actually hyped up the safety opposite of him and Andrew Wingard. A lot of people thought he was going to be drafted as opposed to Marcus Epps, and he's your typical rangy safety. And he's another guy that is your analytical darling uh, that Mike Ban talked about on the Draft Board podcast uh, about a few months ago. So the Vikings like to take these risks, and he fits the profile of that. He has production to back it up, and he also tested well. All right. So uh, analytical darling. So he's one that I should like then is what you're telling me. Correct. All right. Well, let's go here. And uh, it's now time for me to try not to mess up some names. We have <laughs> Olisameka Udo. I remember when this pick came through, you were incredibly excited. So you can correct me on how to say this and tell me why you were so excited about this pick. Oli Udo. Okay, that there we go. That, I like that a lot better than what I tried to do. Oli Udo. Oli tell Udo. me why it was that you were so excited when this pick came through. Yeah, so... Uh, he's a guy I really got put on to by some other guys at the East-West Shrine game. That's really where he did stick out the most. He performed so well there that he got the call up to the Senior Bowl as a late addition. He's only played right tackle in his career, but I think he's probably going to have to transition inside to guard. And what you notice is that he is very strong, and he doesn't really notice how strong he is. And you just see him really just bumping into people, and they just fall over immediately. So, he has that brute strength that you're looking for, and he has the athleticism that you're looking for. Now, I don't think he can survive uh, for long periods of time at tackle if they do end up keeping him there. That's why I think he's better served as a guard, but he's very raw. Love his background story. Both his parents are actually doctors. He has a sister that plays basketball at Wake Forest. So he has the athletic genes that you're looking for, and he's your he's your perfect type of developmental offensive lineman. Hopefully they can sneak him through to the practice squad because I think they could get something out of him in maybe two or three years down the road. All right. Love it. Love it. Love it. And really, really love it when uh, the late round pick comes through and you just, cause you're, you're normally a pretty stoic guy, Jay. I usually keep it pretty even keel, but you were noticeably excited with that one. So that's definitely a player I'm going to be keeping my eyes on as things go forward. All right here, Chris Boyd. Yeah, another player that I got to see down at the Shrine, uh, the Senior Bowl, couldn't think of it. I was about to say the Shrine game, but I saw him down at the Senior Bowl, very handsy, and just think of a Xavier Rose coming out times 10. <laughs> That's how grabby he is. I didn't test well at the combine, more of your slower, kind of throwback Tampa 2 type of corner. Very, very handsy. He's a guy you're going to have to put the boxing gloves on immediately. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they do end up transitioning him to safety because he is very physical and he loves coming down as a run defender. Oh, man. And, uh, yeah, it looks like he fits that profile as uh, as an athlete as well. Player profiler comping him to Jabude Awuzie. That's, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. they can turn him into that. That would be all right with me. I mean, Definitely. I guess I'm guessing he's not going to have that kind of ceiling, but even if they can just get anything out of him, seventh round draft pick, you know, what are you going to do? 
You'll right. take what you can get. Well, we don't have Miles here. The next couple of picks, as you mentioned, they went late round and uh, and brought in some receivers who, obviously, because you know they play wide receiver, are now the darlings of uh, of Vikings Twitter. But uh, Dylan Mitchell is getting a lot of love, and then uh, Olabisi Johnson is someone that Miles actually said that uh, that you know that he likes a little bit as well. So I guess walk me through these two players. Tell me what about them there is to love if either of them poses a threat to anyone on this Vikings depth chart uh, and yeah, where they fit in, if they were to fit in on an offense. As far as a pass catcher, I think Ola BC Johnson is much more further along than Dylan Mitchell, but I think Mitchell probably has more upside just because of the traits that he does possess. Uh, I love his background story. He's very close with Penny Hardaway, the head basketball coach at Memphis and former Orlando magic uh, forward. So, he has that basketball background. He was former uh, Mr. Tennessee, a Tennessee Gatorade National Player of the Year. He actually was a four-star basketball player as well coming out. So he has the athletic profile that you're looking for, and he set an Oregon single-season record last year in receiving yards. I think he had just over 1,113 touchdowns, so he's very explosive, and he's everything that you're looking for. Another guy that's an analytical darling. And I'm not sure if he ran at the combine. I don't necessarily remember if he did perform there, but I think he ended up running really well at Oregon's Pro Day. So he matched a lot of analytical things that they're looking for from a production standpoint and an athletic standpoint. Olubisi Johnson is another one that matched it as well. Now, Preston Williams, opposite the receiver opposite of him at Colorado State, got a little bit more love than what he did, and he kind of stayed hidden throughout the process. And a lot of people thought he maybe could have snuck into the sixth round but I thought it was a steal for them to get him in the seventh round. Yeah, so help me understand, because now I'm, uh, you know, you're talking about B.C. Johnson and talking about Dylan Mitchell, and so I'm looking at their player profiler pages, and, and Dylan Mitchell looks like a player that, you know, when you're looking at really everything about him, his dominator, the yards per reception, breakout age, spark, everything is 50 percentile, 50th percentile or better, plus athlete, great production. What was it that had him end up? Lasting all the way to the seventh round. Uh, just the size. And I know he's bitter on the longer side, but as far as how skinny he is, I think a lot of people were worried about his frame and him holding up, especially against better competition when he did face it. But he showed to have some really good explosion. And you see that on this film. He has a lot of explosive plays. And the stats were, I thought, were really close to Preston Williams. And I thought he showed some better flashes and much more explosiveness than what he showed. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And, uh... I uh, I respect your time, and I know you got places to be, so I'm not going to ask you to give me any sort of long snapper analysis. But that was the uh, the, <laughs> the final pick for the uh, the Vikings in the draft year. Austin Cutting, long snapper. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that. He's I guess going to be coming and snapping in practice during training camp, and maybe we have a long snap snapper battle. Maybe we don't. I don't know. Maybe who knows? We'll see how that goes. But there it is. That's it. That's all the uh, the full draft class for the Minnesota Vikings. We will not be getting into the undrafted guys today because Spielman gave us more than enough draft picks to go through on this one particular episode. So uh, there it is. We get the analysis from the one and only JR giving this draft class a solid B. That's it. That's the show. Really, all we were going to do today was run through all of the picks the Vikings made get JR to give us his analysis on them and really get up out of here because uh, yeah, there's plenty of time, plenty of off season and we're going to be going back through all of these things again. So I will be putting some quick notes on each of these players in the show notes. Check them out. If you want to 
And then we might even chop some of these out just so if you want to uh, come back and check out the analysis from JR, we'll make it a little bit easier for to find each of them. But that is it. That is all. That is the show. JR still on mute here on my screen. So I'm going to thank him for coming on. Listeners, thanks for sticking with us. And that's it. We'll be back talking to y'all soon. Have a good one. <laughs>